This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where we learn to be the protagonists of our lives through my essays and podcasts like this one. This episode is on the ghost of Project's past. And to join me in this spooky wintertime journey is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is so cozy right now. We've been talking about gift giving on the show and talking about the holiday season being upon us. And this week I've gotten, I've, I've had the opportunity to do so much decorating and cooking and thinking up gift ideas for people that I love. I'm going to be infusing liquor on my own just because it's interesting to me and I'm planning like what foods I'm going to bring and cook and bring to various holiday parties I have to attend and I, I just feel really cozy right now and I feel really grateful for this show because I think throughout this year I've realized that so much of my creativity um, feels, so much of my creativity can be channeled into simple acts like gift giving or cooking. And I, I really flourish when I get to do those things and treat them as sacred. And um, it no longer feels separate from work. You know, it's not like, okay, here's my art over here. And then I have to do all these these household things or I have to go to these parties and run these errands. I think that the concept of this show have really made me enjoy this season so much more. I'm so excited to hear that because my my art life is similar. What are you up to? <laughs> and well, I have also been inspired by our gift giving episode and I've been doing little gift making projects. And I don't want to um, spoil anything, but when I listen back to our recordings, which you edit, I have been, I when I started out, I was challenging myself to just listen and um, maybe do some, make some art while I'm listening. But as I got a bit busier, in the in-between episodes, I would put our show on my phone and walk around, and it's a, a great show to walk around with, but there's something really, really special about dedicating the time to listening to this show, um, dedicating that time to to really committing to the art side of it. So I've been drawing and collaging and making little things, and... I have to agree with you that when we really take the time to talk about these things and then listen to our conversations about these things, it art does embed itself into our lives. I'm so curious about whether you've tried new mediums in the past weeks that we've been producing this or months, I guess, at this point. Like, have you also been experimenting with different different projects that you hadn't tried before or like things you hadn't jumped into in years? I have. I have been collaging in a notebook that I 
um, I used to write my blog editorial calendar in this notebook and I couldn't bring myself to give it away. So what I do is I collage pictures over what I've written, my like planning notes. I just shared one of these collages on my Patreon um, because it was relevant to an essay that I wrote recently. But my favorite activity that I've picked up is something I can talk about because it's already happened, is I I made Steve an advent calendar. What? So he loves white chocolate and he loves advent calendars. And every year without fail, gets really excited. We go to the supermarket or a chocolate shop and we look at the advent calendars and he's like, oh, but they're so expensive and you don't even get that much chocolate. And uh, he ends up like just buying some uh, – he, he's more of a – he's not into the 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 wrappings and trappings of, of – chocolate he wants like the most chocolate that you can get i just want to say i'm hearing Lori kim listening to this right now just laughing so hard because her daughter is obsessed with chocolate and I, it's like i'm hearing this story and, and imagining my little child friend who is the exact same way it's not about the flair it's about the chocolate yeah so she gets it it's it's kind of disappointing it's a beautiful uh, paper thing and then you open up the little door and you're like that's it? Just a little little morsel? <laughs> yeah. So I, I got some of his favorite white chocolate buttons and, and just wrapped them all up individually and made him this daily advent calendar that um, is very very low cost but uh, time intensive so I just sat in my in my studio another great use for having uh in a personal artist studio is that you can lock yourself inside it and make secret Christmas presents and so I've been giving him these uh these portions of chocolate every day I love your like secret lair your mad scientist's workshop where you get to like hide yourself away and like work on all of your secret projects I think that's fantastic the arts and sciences here, the culinary, uh, culinary art packaging, Santa's workshop. Yeah, you have your own Santa's workshop. Yeah, but tell me about your your decorations. Well, I am so happy right now because for the first time in my adult life, I have a tree in my own apartment. Um, I've been living out of my my parents' place since I was seventeen, but I've always lived in apartments or just been in situations where I've never had a tree on my own. And, you know, Christmas was a thing I went to at my parents' house. And um, and I love the holidays and I love gift giving and all the various festivities around Christmas, but it was never something that kind of took place where I lived, at least in the past almost decade. And, um, and now, for the first time, I have a tree in my apartment. So Katra, my roommate, had a tree that she set up and and all of her decorations. And um, funny enough, I actually posted a photo of the tree like in a blog post on Patreon. And my mom saw it and she said, oh, I think I should send you a bunch of your childhood ornaments. And I was like, I would love that. 
And it's just really cool because, I mean, Kedra and I had a fun time decorating. I'm going to have a fantastic time cooking for the various parties we have over the next coming weeks. And I, I was asking her, like, oh, Kedra, what are your, what are your, like, childhood foods, like your, your traditional family foods around the holidays? Because I'll make them. Um, and so we had a fun discussion about that. But... Um, it was also just so meaningful, you know, to to have this Christmas be in my home. I'm I'm not going home. At least the plan right now is that I'm actually not going back to the East Coast for the first time ever. Um, I'm gonna stay here. So it's even more special that I also have a apartment now and a home with a friend where we have a tree and all these decorations. So I'm just like really happy about that because it's so meaningful to me to to really make this space my home this year and to be able to like play like to be able to you know my santa's workshop is cooking the foods that my friend loves or um just like having more time to really create art for people i've been doing so much drawing in the past year more than i had in years and i'm like making art for people um, I'm just really excited. Yeah, it feels like a, uh, it's going to be a great holiday. Perhaps this is a good place to share the little project that we're working on that we came up with the idea for this after we finished recording our Tis a Gift to be Simple episode, an idea to invite listeners of this show to write in with stories of the best gift that they've received. And I want to open that up as well to any of these holiday tradition stories, whether it's how you decorate your home, how you like to spend the holidays, what are your favorite homemade meals. It would be lovely to gather around the tree across our usual time zones and share stories and invite the listeners to share their stories as well. Yeah, one of my favorite pieces of feedback that we got from about this show is that it feels like storytelling around a campfire. I just loved that. And it made me really excited for this this episode idea that we have. Like I want to not just have you and me sharing stories, but invite our audience to write in as well for like a special upcoming episode where we talk about creative gifts. I really want to invite the audience to share their stories. Um, we recently did the Tis a Gift to be Simple episode, and I just want to learn more. I want to hear more gifts for artists, but most creative gifts you received. Stories about cooking. Like, there's so much of the holidays that can be um, an opportunity to create art and and nourishment and music and I'm just like really looking forward to that so if you're listening and you have a story you want us to to read on the show please write in you can tell us your the the, the story of the best gift you ever received tell us a story about your your favorite holiday treat that your parent makes or grandmother makes whatever it is we want to read it and talk about it on the show in an upcoming episode. So send your stories to theartlife at heroinetraining.com. And I'll share a little bit about why we're doing this because uh, a couple of days ago, Steve and I were, were a little frustrated about it's Black Friday weekend and Cyber Monday and all of this stuff that distracts 
and we live in a tourist city and so we're, it's just extra crowded right now because of the Christmas market which is lovely but uh you know <laughs> it's it's a lot and so we're battling with this internal idea that there are some really really lovely things about the holidays but sometimes it's hard to see them and i think in the space of this show we can share together the moments that are smaller, more intimate, more meaningful, and more personal. So that's why it's really important to me to hear other voices chime in with your special traditions, too. Yeah, I'm just so looking forward to hearing people's stories. So this week, we'll be diving into our own stories in an episode that you have very creatively titled The Ghost of Projects Past, which what that means is we're going to be talking about the art of reviewing older projects. We were having a conversation about this offline and talking about how much we've learned from listening back to previous podcast episodes of ours. I was wondering about actors who we hear say in interviews, oh, I can never watch my old movies. And I wonder, well, what what is it about that? And then I recently saw Frozen 2, and we get a symbolic representation of this idea that we're talking about where this is mild spoiler but not really having to do with the plot there is a a moment where there are these ice montages representing memories from Elsa's past and she's walking through them and seeing former versions of herself created in these sort of ice sculptures including um a moving sculpture of herself in the iconic let it go moment from the first Frozen and we see her encountering that former self and sort of giggling to herself and cringing a little bit of like oh yeah that was me however many years ago and I thought that reaction was so perfect for this episode and perhaps we can start with my question about actors, since I have one right here. Grace, what do you think it is that makes actors feel like they can't go back and watch themselves on screen? And do you experience that? I think that you to create really fantastic pieces of theater, pieces of acting, you have to be present and you have to be unselfconscious. Like there's an amount of in the moment, spontaneity, openness, emotional availability that you have to have. And if you're in actor brain, if you're like seeing the seeing the movie of it as you're acting, if you're worried about um, the camera and, you know, the angles on your face and um, what people are going to say about your performance, like that shows up 
that is no good and the same is true for theater you know if you're like really stuck in your head while you're performing um your performance is going to suffer and i i think that that's part of it i think that actors are self are are being self protective they're they're um per- protecting the sanctity of their work by not getting into editor um, internal censor mode by reviewing too much of their own performances because it's really important to be to be flexible and human and present when you're an actor um, and not be worried about what it looks like or what the final product is and I think the same could be said about many different art forms you know like you you need to let the writing flow before you edit um I think all of that can be applied to many different mediums. So what I'm really curious about this at this point in my life is what I can learn from reviewing old projects, even reviewing like old modeling work or modeling work of the past year since I'm doing so much more than ever before. I've taken on a really different um I, I've taken on a different responsibility, in the, especially in the past few months, where I've wanted to review my work. And I'm currently on the agent search. Um, so, you know, my manager, my, my manager and I are, like, going through my materials, going through my footage, headshots, all of these things. And I have to look at all of that and pick and choose what's best. And, and it's been really interesting because I think... Part of it is is coming from more of a healthy relationship with myself. Like, I'm able to watch things that aren't as good or watch old projects where, where I wasn't at my best and I'm able to learn from them rather than judge myself. And I think that comes from practice. It comes from detachment. It comes from, you know, just getting older and um, doing more work so you're not clinging on to the product of one old project. But I... I, I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying learning from my old work and learning from my mistakes. And even like with modeling, I've been looking over old shoots or looking even looking over things of the past month. And I go, okay, like I see how where, you know, I see what I could have done with posing that would have looked better here. I'm really getting specific. But what I'm enjoying about it is that it's not coming from a place of self-hatred or a place of judgment. It's like, oh, this is good. How can I make this better? Like, I I value myself as an artist and I want to be the best that I can be. Um, so I totally understand the traps that would come from watching your own work. And I think especially early on, it was destructive for me to do so um, because it kept me in self-conscious actor brain. But now I think I'm in a different place in my craft and I'm really getting so much value out of revisiting the ghosts of projects past, even those projects that I'm embarrassed by. I think that's that's it, is that they are ghosts. And if we're visiting them before they become ghosts, when they're too real still, it feels like we can get trapped in wanting to revise the past or change things from the past, when really what it sounds like you're doing with your current process is to be informed by your own past and bring that into your present work. And I think I'm able to just take my ego out of it. 
in a way that I haven't been able to before. Like, it's not about being perfect and it's not about like, like, I think I was so fragile throughout the early days of my career that like, I wasn't able to just look at something and go here, here's what I could do better. Like, I wasn't making enough to have that detachment. So it felt like I couldn't deal with something not being perfect because when you're doing a project every year or or less, it feels so much more important that, I don't know, that, that it's perfect or like it, it feels so much more, I don't want to say sacred because it's, it's not what I mean. Like there's so much attachment to product when you're in that mindset and when you're when you're focused on product as the whole goal right but we're we're in a different place in our lives now where it's all about process and this is a very process oriented way of thinking like i am learning i'm still learning i'm always going to be learning i'm always going to be st- a student of my craft and i i love the process now of looking over my work seeing what worked seeing what didn't what i can improve even the technical things about lighting or angles I'm, I'm loving the process of it, but I, I think that that also comes from a heavy amount of self-development work, like where my ego is not so attached to the product of the film or my, you know, I'm, I'm just less self-conscious. I'm able to just be learning without needing to be perfect. So for anyone who's familiar with the Enneagram personality types, I am a type one, which is dubbed the improver. And it was a really cool thing to discover. I I love personality tests of all kinds. And I love when they teach me something new, a new angle of myself, because I didn't, I hadn't really caught on to this one that I love process. I enjoy assessing something and saying, okay, this, this is what can make it better. And that I see that as a really positive thing. And I'm always moving forward and adjusting. And I, I understand that for others, it can be a little um, exhausting of like, okay, I thought we were done. I thought this was good enough. I'm like, oh, but it could be better. And isn't that, isn't that exciting? <laughs> and I, I think that's why I enjoy writing essays because essays are about the present moment and they're about what's going on right now without having to worry about publishing a finished doctrine or my final thoughts on any one topic. I I know that there will be more essays, that's just how it goes, and so this will be good enough for this this says what I need to say on the topic right now, and it can be complete in this time period while also knowing that something else will follow that i will pick up on this topic another time and grace i think that's something that we do really well with this show as well is we will talk about one topic but know that this isn't going to be our final chance to visit this subject and I think that that's part of it, too, is that at this point in our careers, you and I are both creating in multimedia, like, and we're creating with such frequency. Like, I, I don't have 
to cling so hard to one short film or to one podcast episode because there's going to be another next week. Um, and, you know, it's helpful, too, to, like, look at the artists that we admire and, and be reminded that some of their things suck at any level. <laughs> not not like I want people to suffer or do a bad job, but, like, hell, I just watched, I just went to the cinema and watched a movie that I hated tonight. Um, it was, it was just bad. It was not good. And I'm not going to say what it was, but it was not good. And it starred two very, very successful, well-regarded, award-winning actors who I admire deeply. And it was like, that happens all the time at any level. These actors are going to go and make a blockbuster that totally sucks or, or a failed movie, you know, like it's not about the scope it's just that's what being an artist is that's the process some things fail some things succeed some things succeed that you hate like (laughs) it just doesn't matter the product doesn't matter you just learn you learn about what felt good for you you learn about your own taste you learn what you can improve on and i i think there's a, a huge part of this that's just creating with such frequency that you can't attach so hard to product and also just really working on your own ego. I th- yeah, I think the the frequency does help with the ego work as well because I have to keep I have to keep um confronting it in order to move on and learn to work with my ego because I'm also a Leo and I'm also a Gryffindor. So I didn't mention that you're a Leo, but I want you to know that I was thinking I was thinking I want to mention that she's a Leo, but that will sound like an attack. (laughs) Now, I love talking about how I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo. (laughs) But I also want to mention that sometimes I go back and I read my old writing, especially from years and years ago, earlier posts in my archives. And for this reason, I, I don't delete anything. Everything is there on my website. So if you ever are curious, go back to the beginning, go back to the beginning of my Instagram grid. Um, that's something that I learned from Sarah Tasker, who is an Instagram mentor of mine at me and Orla. She she says, never delete your posts, never archive your posts. For um for search reasons, because sometimes people will flag them or they'll um they'll save it to a collection. If you've deleted it, then they don't have that anymore. But also to celebrate the process and the journey. So if you scroll all the way down to her Instagram, it has you'll find those um older older style posts before she really started to find her her style and her 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 voice on Instagram. And so I've taken inspiration from that. All of my posts are still available for my own uh, purposes as well as yours. And sometimes I go back and I'm like, oh, did I, what did I say? Did I, did I used to think that or what, why did I choose that word? But then I'm also occasionally I stumble upon something that I am so inspired by that I'd forgotten that I written and I, I will often look back at my old archives and I, in hopes of finding an idea to expand on. And sometimes what I find instead is an idea that is complete that I forgot that I even published. And I feel like I've had experiences in both directions with that this year, 
where like, you know, even in the midst of this uh, submitting to agencies thing that I'm doing in the midst of my admin in that area, I like was listening to my voiceover reel and I hadn't listened to it in a long time and I made it last year and I listened to it today and I was like, oh, this is good. Oh, I'm, I'm good at this. And I forgot, like I legitimately forgot that this sounds great and that this is something I should pursue. And that was such a, a lovely discovery. Um, and you know, in, in, the, in the other direction, I had two films that were in film festivals this year and one of them was very old. And this happens sometimes where like something will get submitted or enter circulation or even come out theatrically years after it's made. And so, like, a film that I was in when I was 18 was at a festival this year, and it was torturous for me to sit through. Torturous. And I was, like, embarrassed after because, you know, I've just improved so much, and I felt so awkward watching teenage Grace act for one of her, you know, first films. But then, then I was able to laugh about it. And just be like, how cool is it that I got to watch that on a big screen with an audience? So I was totally embarrassed by it. But also, like, you know, everyone has different... Everyone has those projects. And I think there's no reason to be ashamed. And there's no reason to be ashamed of growth. My gosh. So I love this idea of, like, not deleting your Instagram posts or your blog posts. Whatever it is. I find that really interesting. Um... And, and perhaps really encouraging for other artists, right? Like young artists who, who need to know that their first things are going to suck or aren't going to, they're not going to have found their voice yet. Um, it could be so valuable to watch the films or read the essays of someone they admire in their early days. I think that's part of it too. It's, um, it might, it might suck or it might just not really know what it is yet. And putting pressure on yourself to get into that groove right away is only going to be limiting. And I have come to terms with the fact now that I'm going to change my Instagram grid one day. I'm really excited with the pattern that I currently have where I have my little calligraphy headings for my essays followed by photography that accompanies a poem or a vignette and it's going to change someday and I will not be disappointed when I I change my mind and I'm like oh I couldn't have just stuck with one thing that's I really liked how you put that grace in there's no point in being ashamed of growth cuz that's all it is it's growth. I'm wondering if when you're editing your essays, you're able to go, this is what I could do differently next time. Or, oh, I see how my style has evolved. Like writing is different than like a performance or, you know, a piece of film where it's like, okay, that's done. And then you have to cut around it. I'm wondering how much rewriting goes on and what you learn as you edit. I see editing editing a project that I'm currently working on. I feel like that's a whole podcast on its own. And what what helps me is recording the audiobook version for my patrons on Red by Zandra 
because when I read it out loud, it becomes a performance and it becomes more permanent because it's it's so easy to go in and, and edit a sentence. But once I have it published on Instagram, in the stories, once I have it recorded and and uploaded to the podcast feed, then it's more of a complete thing. And I, I feel better about it afterwards than I did when I was just publishing it on my website and was like, well, I could always go back and edit it. And I will call out a former essay of mine that I wrote only a few months ago called Like Owl Post. I kept talking about it and being like, oh, this I love this essay that I wrote. I went back and reread it. And I will be the first to admit, a lot of it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I realized that I, I had these ideas and I didn't edit the first few paragraphs with enough discernment to make sure that my words made sense to someone outside of my head. So that's an example of an essay that if I were to print a collection, I would go back and and rephrase a couple of things. And what I take away from that is that the idea is very important, and I'm I'm proud of the idea, and I'm proud of what I was saying, but the editing is a really important part of it, and I need to make sure, I think it's an ego thing, that I need to make sure that part of being a good writer is, is being, making sure that the ideas are communicated clearly. I also love the recognition that your work is your own and you can change it in the future. Like the idea that, okay, if I wanted to include this in a collection, in like a printed collection of essays, I can edit it. Like I can rewrite it. Um, I think that's really cool. Just as pieces of theater evolve over many different runs or anything, like a, a reshoots happen on a film, like all there are so many ways in which if we take agency over our work and drop the ego, we can allow it to grow over time, even if it's already been published, posted out in the world. Grace, what is the art life? The art life is process. It really is at its best. Zandra, what is the art life? The art life is embracing growth. Mm. So we've talked about your essays, both those that you're super proud of and those that you know can grow. I am wondering where people can find your art. Yeah, those I know can grow. Let's put it like that. Uh, well, they're all available on heroinetraining.com. And I... I love when I receive emails that say, I went back to page one and read from the beginning. And a little part of me is like, oh, really? And you stuck with it. But <laughs> I, I love process. And so it's all there for you. Em embarrassment and gems and all. It's all at heroinetraining.com. And my more recent work is also available on Instagram at heroin training. I've mentioned a few things that my patrons receive 
as well, which are at patreon.com slash heroin training. That's where you can listen to the audiobook versions read by Zandra the day they come out. And I share weekly secret stories, more process behind the scenes, including um, including a collage one time. I think that's everything. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Well, it's it's all uh, it's all streamlined into these uh, corners of the internet. Oh yeah, you can also um, receive them in your inbox if that's your style. Um, heroinetraining.com slash subscribe. I don't really send out my archives regularly. That's not a thing. So you do have to go uh, to the to my website for that. But okay, happy exploring. Grace, where can people find your art? My art is mostly compiled, collected, archived on patreon.com slash official. I update there very frequently and also sometimes post old photo shoots, old films, thoughts on the process. So that's where to find most of my work um, if you want to keep up with everything at once. And I also post frequently on Instagram and and continue to try out different mediums so I keep the, the listeners updated when I'm in a new film or on TV or whatever it is. But patreon.com slash gracegordonofficial is the best place to find all of it. Wonderful. Well, with that, we will say good morning to the ghosts. And good evening as well. And to, to the listeners, not just to the ghosts. Yes, good evening to the listeners, <laughs> to the artists, the artists listening. I'm just picturing everybody listening cross-legged on the floor ghosts interspersed with humans i'm imagining like a little ghost with like an easel yes me too (laughs) are we imagining the same ghost are we being haunted by the same painter ghost (laughs) it was totally a painter ghost which is really funny what is happening because neither of us are painters painters. Okay, so in this episode, we discovered that we're being haunted by the same ghost across continents. Well, Sandra, if I could share a spooky haunting with anyone, I would choose to share with you. So with that, I wish you a good morning. I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life. A heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California 91607, or email us theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.